0: Grab a seat if you would, we're going to continue our series, Exposing the Lie. I believe it was the summer of 1988, I believe, uh, I was in a little town hanging out with my cousin and uh, some neighborhood kids, and all of a sudden one of the neighborhood kids just starts pounding into my cousin's face. I happened to be right behind the kid who was doing the pounding, and, uh, I took this kid, and I rammed his head into a tree. Shortly thereafter, I got the crud beat out of me, because my, my parents, for some reason, had us in this season that you don't fight, you know, and so we were kind of going through that phase, which really didn't help my face that day at all, and, uh. And, and I just, I didn't fight back. Now, how many of you guys feel like from time to time that you're in a battle and you, you feel like you're battling against the devil and it just seems like you just, for whatever reason, aren't fighting back. You just don't have the strength. You don't think it's possible. You don't think that you're going to win. You feel like you're getting the crud beat out of you. How many of you guys have ever felt like that before in some season of your life? Yeah, I think, I think many of us have. It reminds me of this story out of Acts chapter 19, Verse 13, it says, A group of Jews was traveling from town to town, casting out evil spirits. They tried to use the name of Je- the Lord Jesus in their incantation, saying, I command you in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a leading priest, were doing this. But one time when they tried it, the evil spirit replied. Now, first of all, there, there's a, a, most people would kind of freak out at this moment when the evil spirit replies back. But here's what the evil spirit said. I know Jesus, and I know Paul, but who are you? Then the man with the evil spirit leaped on them, overpowered them, and attacked them with such violence that they fled from the house naked and battered. How many of you guys know that's a bad day right there, right? I I mean, that's a bad day, right? And and that's what happened to these guys. They felt like they were getting the crud beat out of them because they literally were. There was another story... um, I was remembering this week, uh, when I was attending a church, when I was a youth pastor, there was a coffee shop area... And there was this big guy, like a huge guy. And he was like a concrete worker guy. You know, those guys that just, I mean, they're just like mountain of a man, not mountain men, but mountains of a man. And he was tall and big. And for whatever reason, I don't remember how it all played out. I don't remember whether he challenged me or I challenged him. I probably challenged him just because I was a young uh, and not very smart. And I challenged him, I believe, to arm wrestle. Now, I mean, it's obvious that I do work out, people. Okay, it's obvious. But, yeah, thank you. Back there, I'll take that. But, uh, but he was a big guy. And so we sit down and it's there's a lot of people around. So everybody gathers around. And now I'm second guessing my decision to arm wrestle this big dude. And we get down at this table. It's like fight club happening right there in the church coffee shop. And so we're up there. And have you guys ever arm wrestled before? Let's see. Have you ever arm wrestled before? You know that moment where you're kind of battling back and forth. So we start off and I don't know whether he's toying with me or not, but we're kind of battling back and forth and I'm giving it all I've got because there's a crowd, right? And I'm giving i can feel my wrist starting to snap because I'm giving it all I got. And I don't know what happened that day. I don't know if he let me win or if God needed to humble this man. Uh, but for whatever reason, or maybe God just gave me the strength of Samson for like three seconds in my life, but somehow his hand went down and, and I had somehow came out victorious. And he was like, I, I want a rematch. I want a rematch. I said, no, I'm just suddenly retired. I am done <laughs> and never again. And so, uh, but I think some of us feel like that's what it's like between Satan and God. That there's like this cosmic arm wrestling match, this wrestling, arm wrestling match in the supernatural. And it's kind of iffy there for a while, but we know that ultimately God wins in the end. But we feel like there's this struggle back and forth, but God barely wins. And that's the lie I want to deal with. And here's the lie. God is stronger, but God is barely stronger than Satan. We're going to expose that lie because many of us are living that. And I just want you to know that Satan has put on a powerful PR campaign to make himself look more powerful than what he actually is. Now I'm going to show you a video. I threw this in last minute. Many of you guys maybe have seen this little video clip, but it illustrates something for me. So uh, many. Have you guys have seen this video clip of this weatherman this week? If you haven't seen the clip, watch the guys in the background who are walking behind. So let's roll it. Okay, uh, picking it up here in Wilmington, North Carolina, right at the intercoastal. We're in one of these bands. This is about as nasty as it's been. We had some bands like this last night. The this morning we were not on TV. It was a dark raucous uh, night at the hotel. And this wind gusting again over 60 miles an hour. blowing by uh, pieces of limbs. This is what we're seeing. A lot of shingles coming off. You can see what happens when you throw it off. It just takes off like a projectile. And unfortunately, a tree is falling on a home here in Wilmington, killing a mom and her infant the father was transported to the hospital with injuries. So uh, here in Wilmington, New Hanover County, this has become a deadly hurricane now with two fatalities, a mom and her infant. Boy, I tell you, the wind, just well, I, tell the you, man, I tell you what, man, he's, he's got to really hang on there because he's about ready to be blown away. Now, of course, we know there was some real storm and stuff going on, so I'm not trying to make light of that. But that just, when I saw that, I was like, you know what, not, not to demonize this weather guy, but, um, but that's, that's kind of what Satan does. Do you realize this? Satan, here's what he does. He tries to act like and to make you think that the storm is stronger than what it actually is. He tries to make himself look a lot more powerful than what he actually is. But I'm telling you, if we were to zoom out and get a little perspective of who God is, come on, somebody, of who God is, we would know that it's not even a contest. Now, we we know, and that's the lie, that God is stronger, but God is barely stronger than Satan. Now, we wouldn't say this in our theology, but many of us act this way in our lives. We allow this to happen in our lives. So, what I want to do is I just want to take even just one aspect real quick on the front side. Uh, one aspect of God's power that Satan doesn't have. And, and one aspect of, of God's power that Satan doesn't have is that he is omnipresent or all-present or present everywhere. Now I was reading an article this way and it or this week and it put it this way: it says, How biblically should we think of God's omnipresence? The word means that God knows exhaustively and upholds and touches continually every single item in the universe he has made, from the tiniest genes and electrons to the most massive stars in the expanding universe to the most complex mind-body interactions in the psyche of over six billion people. God is here, there, and everywhere, and his mind and hand are on everything. We are never out of his sight, and we cannot get away from him. Wherever we are, he is there too. This is not simply a matter of transcending spatial confines. Strictly speaking, God has no spatial location at all, for space belongs to the created order and exists in him rather than he in it. Such is the omnipresence of God. God is everywhere. Satan is not. If you take just that one aspect of God's power, we would understand how strong God is in comparison. Even just to look at what God has created and realize that it exists in Him. Romans chapter says this: says this. we are For His invisible attributes, namely His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. In other words, it, one way to see the power of God on display is to simply look at what he has created. And so what I want to do right now is I'm going to take just a moment. And I'm going to invite some preachers to help me preach today. Not out of the audience. The ones I'm going to invite, were busy today, so we're going to pipe them in via video. Um, but I'm going to invite some. And I just want to take just a moment to right now just to see a glimpse, a small glimpse of God's majesty. So here's Francis Chan.
1: You know, I was studying just our Milky Way, just that galaxy that we live on, and I was reading about it this week, and it was explained that the shape of this galaxy we live in is it's like a pancake it 's like this this big pancake with a bulge in the middle and, and yesterday, when I was making breakfast, I, I made a little replica of it um, <laughs> this, this is not to scale, okay, but uh it's this whole idea of. Okay, if this were our galaxy, that's pretty good, huh? Put a little golf ball in there and flipped it. Okay. If this were our galaxy, this this is so fascinating. Okay, there's no there's no, not even a chance that I could make a speck visible to the human eye to show us our whole solar system. Okay, there's no way that you would see our whole solar system, our sun, everything within this galaxy. Because you know how big this is? A light year, okay, a light year is traveling at the speed of light. The speed of light is 186,000, 186,000 miles a second. Think about that. 186, if you could go 186,000 miles in one second, that's fast. 186,000 miles in a second. That's a light year. No, that's, that's, that's a speed of light. A light year is traveling at 186,000 miles a second for a whole year. Imagine how far you would go. In one second, much less one year. That's a light year. Do you know how long it would take to get from one edge of our galaxy to the other? 100,000 miles. Light years. So to get from this edge to this edge, you would have to travel at 186,000 miles per second for 100,000 years. You just go, What? That doesn't make any sense. That's what That's how long it would take to get from one edge to the other. So imagine how fast you would pass the Earth within the first fraction of a second. As the Earth is just a few thousand miles in diameter. I mean, you, you can't even measure that within a second. And you're going to travel for 100,000 years at the speed of light to get from one edge to the other. There's no way you would see our Earth, that our Earth is buried in this somehow. And the last scene where I showed you where the, the, all those galaxies do you know how many of these things are out there? They're estimating about 350 billion. 350 billion galaxies and we're buried as this tiny planet inside of one of these. And God says, I've set my glory above the heavens. Are you fascinated by what I made? You should see me. The God who created all of this See, and it blows me away how people will walk in here and think they're big. <laughs> Are you kidding me?
0: How you guys know God is big? Whew. Does that mean that Satan has no power? He, he deceives, he he attempts, he accuses, he tries to oppress. But here's what I want to do. I want to address some common mistakes that we make when it comes to to uh, to understanding Satan and demons. Okay, this is a great topic to invite your friend to. Right, so if you're your new here, welcome. Um, <laughs> some common mistakes we make about Satan's power. Colossians chapter one verse sixteen through seventeen says this: For by him all things were created. Okay, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. The first mistake we make is we forget that Satan and his demons are a created being. They're created beings. If we were to look at that little little pancake illustration that he had out there, it's not like God and Satan exist outside of all of that. Satan is created. He's a created being in there. He does, he's not like par for par for God, and God just happens to lift weights a little bit more or something like that. It's just not how it works. He's a created being. The second thing is found in this story in Mark chapter 2, verse 5. Or verse 2, chapter 2, verse 2 through 5. Excuse me. When Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came out of the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the burial caves. And can no longer be restrained. So can you imagine this guy's life? He's now, he's possessed by a demon or whatever. He's driven to, out of his home. He lives in, a, lives in the, the, the cemetery. They try to chain him up. They can't keep him chained. Whenever he was put into chains and shackles, as he often was, he snapped the chains from his wrists. He smashed the shackles. Listen to this. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Day and night he wandered among the burial caves and in the hills, howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. That seems pretty scary, doesn't it? How would you like to live next door to that guy, right? No one was strong enough to subdue him. Here's the second mistake we make when we look at Satan versus God. We measure Satan's power by the response of those not walking in Jesus' authority. So in other words, we see somebody try to battle it out with Satan or something, and someone's not using the authority that they have in Christ. These people, they were overran. The sons of Sceva, they were overran. They knew Jesus, they knew Paul, but they didn't know them. All right, next thing is this, James chapter 4, verse 7. Many of you guys are familiar with this scripture. So humble yourself before God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Third mistake we make is this, we fail to resist... And then we feel powerless against the attacks of the enemy. The scripture says, if we resist, what happens? He's going to flee. So, so we fail to resist, and then we feel powerless. Now, a few weeks ago, uh, Chris Athey preached, and he said this statement. He, 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 many of you guys will remember this. He said, how big is God? And then he said, what? As big as you allow him to be, right? Let me make this statement. How big is Satan? As big as you allow him to be. And I'm gonna prove that to you here in just a little bit because Satan has the power only to the degree that we resist or not, only to the degree that we take our authority or not. The Bible says resist and he will flee. Why? Because he has been defeated. Listen to the tense of that. He has been defeated. He has been defeated. This happened during when Jesus was on the cross and the three days before the resurrection. This is when this all happened. So I invited Francis Chan to come and help me preach. I'm going to invite Pastor Robert Morris to help teach on this uh, topic. So let's watch Pastor Robert Morris.
2: So Ephesians then tells us that he first descended into the lower parts of the earth. He descended. That's Ephesians. That's during the three days. That's when he's in the tomb. And then it says, basically, he walks up, just giving the short version, he walks up to the devil and says, give me the keys. I'm taking it back. And then it says he leads captivity captive, that's referring to the Old Testament saints, they were not in torment, but they were in a place of waiting. Remember, the uh, rich man who was in torment, who went to hell, could see the beggar in Abraham's bosom, he could see Abraham. So they're in a place of waiting. And it says he led... Captivity, captive. He leads the Old Testament saints to heaven. But here's what he says to them. But guys, I have to stop by the earth on my way and talk to Mary for a moment because I told the disciples over and over and over again what was going to happen. But everybody knows if you want something done right, you have to ask a woman to do it. That's scripture, all right? So he says, I have to stop by and talk to Mary for a moment. He's got these Old Testament saints with him, and they said, well, while you're talking to Mary, do you mind if we walk around and see Jerusalem for a while? You remember it? This is the Bible. Watch this, Matthew 27, verse 52. And the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised, and coming out of the graves, after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. (laughs) Abraham, Abraham is saying, that's where I used to play ball, where that Walmart is. You see where that Walmart is? That was the ball field when I was growing up. And look at this, there's a Starbucks on every corner, I tell you. We had to grind the beans and it was just, okay. They're walking around while Jesus is talking to Mary, the Old Testament saints. Now. Wouldn't it be cool if somewhere in the Bible there was a verse by verse description of what happened from Sunday morning to Sunday night when Jesus actually entered the presence of the Father? Wouldn't that be cool? (laughs) See, the problem is that there are some things we don't understand about the Bible but it doesn't make the Bible untrue, it just means we don't understand. So Daniel talks about some things that are still gonna happen in the book of Revelation, but sometimes when we see something in Daniel, we think, oh, that's in the future. I'm just, I'm, I just wanna convince you more than anything that Jesus isn't getting dominion back one day, he already got it back. Amen. That's what I'm trying to convince you of. So I'm gonna show you Daniel, but before I show you Daniel, I have to show you a scripture in John. When we started John 14, all right? In John 12, Jesus made this statement, verse 31. Now. Now. I I, I hate to ask you to repeat stuff because I don't want you to think you're in class or some of you have very bad memories about school. I don't know. But could you just say that word now? Okay, not in 2,000 years. Right now is the judgment of this world now the ruler of this world will be cast out. Now, here's what he's saying. Guys, I'm about to take it back. What we gave Adam and Eve and they lost, I'm taking it back legally. I'm gonna take it back. So here's what happened. It's in Daniel seven, verse nine. I watched until thrones were put in place. Now this next part may send chills up your spine, literally. And the ancient of days was seated. Where did Jesus say he was going? To the father. This is the father. His garment was white as snow. I just can't even imagine that we're going to get to see God one day and the hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was a fiery flame, its wheels a burning fire. A fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. A thousand thousands, ministry, and that's a million if you, if you uh, like numbers. 10,000 times 10,000, that's 100 million, stood before him. The court was seated and the books were opened. Now, that's why we, we think that that's Revelation. There's a judgment seat coming and there's a great white throne judgment coming. But Jesus said, now is the judgment of this world. So there was a judgment that took place on resurrection day. I watched then because of the sound of the pompous words which the horn was speaking. I watched till the beast was slain and its body destroyed and given it to the burning flame. All right, hold on just a moment. People will say, see the beast, that's in Revelation. No, listen, in Daniel 7, there are four beasts. This is just the first one, and let me tell you what was destroyed on Resurrection Day two thousand years ago. Sin was destroyed. Sin. Matter of fact, let's. let's I, I didn't tell them, but we might go go right now to Romans 6:14. Show them this scripture. Romans 6:14 says, "I didn't tell them. Look, for sin shall no shall not have dominion over you anymore." Okay, then. Watch this. Sin was destroyed. He destroyed it. As for the rest of the beast, watch, they had their dominion taken away, yet their lives were prolonged for a season of time. Here's what I'm trying to tell you Satan is lying to you. <laughs> he had his dominion taken away 2,000 years ago, yet his life has been prolonged for a season of time, but he has no more dominion. No more dominion. Can we give Jesus a big
0: hand for that? Again, I'm not saying that demonic spirits and Satan can't wreak havoc and cause problems and, and uh, you know, mess with people's lives and oppress or whatever. They can't. As a pastor of the church, I've seen it happen a lot. Okay? I've seen it happen a lot. Here's what I'm saying, though. I, I, I'm, I'm not saying they have no power. I'm simply saying that as soon as we recognize what's going on, we have all power. Why? Why can I say that? Because Jesus took dominion, but watch this Matthew chapter 10, verse 1. He called called to him his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out to heal every disease and every affliction. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19 starts off and says it this way It says, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us, God's power for us who believe in him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Can you see it all tying together? This power is for us. Now, he is far above any ruler or authority, doesn't matter what you name, any power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and he has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And Jesus, I'm telling you, Jesus gave you his authority. Some of you, you don't believe, you're hearing these words, you just don't believe it. I'm telling you that if you read the Bible, this is what the Bible says. <laughs> now, just because Jesus gave you something doesn't mean you believe it. Just because Jesus gave you something doesn't mean you're walking in it. That's why you could have somebody who's, who's following Jesus, but not walking in the power and the authority that Jesus has given them. And you look at their lives and you see they're constantly, they're, they're, it's the arm wrestling, wrestling match with Satan, and whenever they recognize what's going on, they still aren't winning. It's because they haven't received this authority or they aren't walking in it. Again, the devil has only the amount of authority over our lives that we give him. I feel like I'm preaching to people who don't believe me. I don't know. Do you guys read your Bible? I mean, this is what the scripture talks about. And we've got to establish this in our life because this this affects every area of our life. This affects our family. This affects obedience to God. This affects sin. This affects all of these areas of our life. We have to take our authority in Jesus' name. Again, James chapter 4, verse 7. So humble yourself before God. Resist the devil and he will flee. How do we resist? Well, I could take this a number of different ways, but as I was thinking about it this way, God just kind of brought it to me this way. Uh, in leadership, they, they talk about culture, leadership culture. Leadership culture is a like if you have a business or a church or anything that you're leading, you have a culture. You realize you have a culture in your family. You have a culture in the business. You have a culture in a church. You have a culture in your small group. Culture is a combination of what you create and what you allow. What you create and what you allow. Culture is a combination of what you create and what you allow. And I believe we all have a culture in our heart as well. And the culture of your heart is a combination of what you create and what you allow into your heart. And so I just want to challenge you in a couple different ways as we're getting ready to wind down. Create an awareness of who you are in Christ. Because when you understand who you are in Christ... Satan, has, he can't stand against that because you're in Christ. Christ has all the power and he gave you his authority. And the more you create an awareness of who you are in Christ, the more you create an awareness of the authority that you have in Christ, the more you create an awareness of how big God is and how small Satan is, the more you can walk in freedom in your life. Many of you guys right now, you're struggling in different areas and you haven't been able to break through. You, you feel uh, maybe the accusations of the enemy. Maybe you feel oppressed. Maybe you feel whatever it is. Create an awareness of who you are in Christ. Aaron and I were talking this past week and and he, he was talking. To, I can't even remember how we got on this subject, but maybe it's because I was preaching this. but talking about how many times we think of like the supernatural. What would things look like in the supernatural? What would Satan look like if he appeared to you in the supernatural? Like if you could just like he appeared to you or demonic spirits, what, what would that look like? You know, and many times people are afraid to see and encounter things like that. And then Aaron was talking about, it. he said, I don't know if you were praying or God had spoke to you or whatever, but, but brought this thought well, you're wondering what they look like and how big and bad and scary, but you know, you're a spirit. wonder what you look like in the spirit to them. And if you have the authority of Jesus Christ, they don't want anything to do with you once, they, once you realize who you are. So we create an awareness of who we are in Christ. And then the, the next question is this, if it's a combination of what we create and what we allow, what are you allowing Maybe there's a gate in your life that you've left open to, to, that needs to be closed. If you battle fear, what are you doing watching all of this stuff that has fear in it? If you battle these, a certain area of your life, why are you leaving the gate open? Because you're allowing a foothold of the enemy. You're allowing a door to the enemy to get in. He doesn't even have to pick the lock that way. You've opened the gate. What are you allowing in your heart? Are, are you allowing Satan to take ground in the areas of accusing you in different areas or tempting you or, or uh, deception? And some of you guys need to right now just, just get up in your spirit like this faith rise up in your spirit that you're drawing a line and saying no further. You are taking no more ground in my life. He's deceived us long enough. You say, well, that's bold, Sean, to walk around like acting like like the demonic spirits can't touch you and acting like all this type of stuff and that you can cast things down. Yeah, that is bold. You say, well, Sean, aren't we supposed to be humble? Isn't that like give all glory to God and all that type of stuff It seems arrogant, seems overconfident to walk around just kind of like you have authority? Are we supposed, how do you guys believe we're supposed to be humble? Anybody believe that? Okay, let me ask you a different way. How do you guys believe that Jesus was humble? Scripture says that he humbled himself even to be obedient to the cross. How you guys would just agree with me that Jesus, if he is perfect, that he is the perfect represent- representation of what humility should look like. All right? Jesus is the standard of humility. Jesus did bold miracles. Jesus talked very confidently and boldly. Jesus walked around and he wasn't timid or shy about this. Jesus is the standard of humility. I'd say if you want to be humble, be humble like Jesus then. Walk around confident in who you are in Christ. If he's the standard, we are to imitate him. Our humility is not by worldly standards, it's by Jesus' standards. How did Jesus set the standard of humility? What made Jesus humble? Well, the the Bible says that Jesus did nothing except for what he saw the Father doing. Do you realize what humility is? Let me just teach you just real quick as we're wrapping up. Humility is simply allowing yourself to think God's thoughts instead of your own. Jesus did what he saw the Father doing and therefore humbled himself to that. And if we can humble ourselves, what does it mean? It means allowing the wineskin of our heart to stretch to God's thinking and not our own thinking. That's humility. When we let go of the reins and we say, God, you get to expand the wineskin of my life and of my heart as large as you want to, that's humility. Because it's allowing myself not to think my thoughts, but to think God's thoughts. Be humble like Jesus. Walk boldly. And I'm saying it this way that we either have authority in Christ or we don't. The Scripture says we have it. Listen, if you are being tormented in some way today, if there's some area, some stronghold, some issue in your life that you just don't, you just have been feeling like there's this cosmic arm wrestling battle going on and you just are wondering, like, in the end, God's going to win. But from now until then, I've got to struggle it out. I'm here to tell you today that you can be set free today. You do not have to tolerate it any longer. I want to have the worship team come back up. Would you, would you guys just bow your heads just right there with where you're at. Just, just don't move around just for a second. Allow the Holy Spirit just to begin to speak to you right now. We're going to do something real quick here with the time we have left. What, what, do you, what is culture? It's a combination of what we create and what we allow. And I, I'm just going to wrap it up by saying this. What are you allowing To live in the darkness that needs to be brought into the light. Because darkness cannot survive in light. Jesus is light, God is light, and in Him there is no darkness. But the areas that we leave in the darkness, the areas that we know we need to be set free in, the areas that we struggle, maybe you're struggling in many different areas, sin, temptation, accusation, identity, whatever it is, the longer you let that grow there, the more power it has in your life. And so what we're going to do is, is we're going to worship here in just a little bit, and then we're going to have a a response time. And I'm just going to pray right now. You just let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Right now, God, we just thank you, no matter what anybody is dealing with today. We know it's not even a contest between dark and light. And that we can walk out of here free because we have the authority of Jesus Christ. We know that Satan has no dominion. He only, he's only as big as we allow him to be. He's only as small as we resist him to be. And today, I want to take some ground, Lord, Lord, I want to take some ground and I I pray that a spirit would rise up in each person here to take back some ground in our life. Lord, we just enter this time of worship with reflective hearts and sensitive hearts. Change the culture of us on the inside. Lord, set some people free today in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you all stand up with me? Here's what we're going to do. Change it up just a little bit. Have our prayer and ministry teams come down at this time. If you need prayer for something that you've been battling, that you feel like, man, I just have been just back and forth, back and forth. And I just want somebody to agree with me to have freedom. Listen, you can walk down here and have freedom today. You say, well, I don't wanna go up in front of anybody. Listen, this is the best place to do this right now in this atmosphere. Everybody's going to be cheering you on anyway. You don't have to reveal anything or whatever. Just come down and just let's make a moment right now. Let's draw a line in the sand. If that's you, just go ahead and right now where you're at, just go ahead and line up, just come out, just get out of your seats so you can be bold right now. Take a step forward. It doesn't have to be small or big or small, just whatever God leads you to, to do, just step out of your seat during this song And we're going to see some freedom happen in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's go ahead.